I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Preds Power Hour here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am joined by my good friend over there in Nashville, Tennessee, of On the Four Check, Mr. Brian Bastin. Brian, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's uh, good weather. Got the pup out uh, this morning uh, at the park. She's like all in on just getting as disgusting as possible uh, mm-hmm. ahead of the weekend. Dove in everybody water. She likes. She doesn't like swimming. Uh, she likes just soaking. So she'll just dive in and then just stand there and look around. She just. She loves a good soak. I don't know why the Keyshawns are that way, but that's the mm. way they are, man. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, aside from the the late night with with the Predators breaking more records every game, mm-hmm. it seems like, and and some work stuff. It's just been it's been good. It got, coming off the holiday, uh, it's the first job I've had where the majority of people are working the week week after Christmas. So that's mm. been a, a rude wake up. But other than that, yeah, lots of hockey, and hockey's a little bit more fun right now. Hockey is fun right now. Whenever we that we try to quit the Preds, they bring us back mm-hmm. in. Brian. Um, we have to start. 64 saves from Soros. It's funny. We talked about it on last week's Power Hour where like the man is just you you had an analogy. I don't even remember which one uh you went with in terms of what he is. Because I was like the Popeyes worker during the height of the chicken sandwich wars. The waffle really the Waffle House waitress. The Waffle that House, the yes, where yeah. they catch the chair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the man upped it uh, this week with a 64-save outing. What more can we say about Mr. Saros? I mean, I don't, I don't know what there is else to say. I mean, uh, like we said, we, we, you know, he had that history of starting slow, and he started slow, but that was just by his own standards. Uh, he he got back into form, uh, cleaned up the penalty kill, which was which has been massive for him. And now you're looking at this. He's got, I think he's third in the league in goals saved above expected. Um, I think he's fourth by goals above replacement. I mean, he's he's making up for lost time very quickly. And nobody's faced more shots than he has. So, I mean, just, just to give you a, a, a quick insight into how, like, special yesterday was. So, in 60 minutes, just 60, not an overtime game, 64 saves, 110 shot attempts against. So that's that's out of those 110, um, 43 of them were either misses or blocks. So I mean, that's still 67 of them got on UC Saros, which is ridiculous. But 64 saves is first in franchise history. The previous high was 54 by Dan Ellis, so he broke that one. Um, it's the highest total for the season. Um, it's tied for third all time 
which that's incredible to me because that's going back like back in the you know 60s and 50s and stuff too with 70 so he was very close and then in regulation time he was tied for second um which one more would have had him tied for first and so there's only three goalies in the entire history of the nhl who have had more than 59 saves and have won their game because the top of that list is a lot of people who had had lost their game so i mean it's just it's really impressive stuff and and i think the biggest thing that surprised me is in the top 10 right now for most saves mm-hmm. in a game only one other um one other goalie did it in the 2000s and that was back in 2014 mm-hmm. before that the next most recent one was in 1991 so all but five of the current Predators weren't even born uh, to see any of the other top ten. So they've only seen these two, I guess. So mm. it's just, it's once in a lifetime. I mean, you could see pretty quickly as the, that game went on that Nashville was trying to hold on for dear life. Um, mm. I mean, just, it was bad. You know, you think they were they were outshot 18-7 to 7 in the first period, 21-7 to 7 in the second period, and then 28-11. to 11. But what they did in the, the first and second, they just had 26 attempts in both periods. They had mm. 53 in the final, in the third period. So, I mean, and and here's the, you know, the thing that I think really was the key to last night, not just Saros being completely out of his mind and, and incredible, but mm-hmm. Nashville kept, uh, kept Carolina. They had a whole bunch of shots, but the shot quality was roughly average, the same as what Nashville was doing. Mm. And so even though they ended up with, I think Hurricanes ended up with six and a half expected goals, which means, you know, they, they underperformed that by quite a bit, by three and mm. a half. And Nashville finished with four, like four and a quarter. Mm. So basically, like, you know, if you look at that and say how many of those attempts, you know, were made and how much, you know, did it average, you know, the, the percentage. It was about 7.9% for Nashville and about 77 for Carolina. Hmm. So, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot, but a lot of the shots that Carolina was taking were from, from everywhere. I mean, if you look at Nashville, they did a very good job of being close up to the net, pretty much isolating everything there. Carolina shot from everywhere. And I think that might've been the difference. Yeah. And now there's more concern about Carolina. They've struggled uh, a little bit of late and we'll see um, if they're going to be okay uh, going forward. But look, big night for Nashville. Um, Doubleheader. Uh, as folks are listening to this, they will have already played a back to back tonight um here but he's not the only one in terms of uh sorrows having a historic night we had philip forsberg also mm-hmm. finding his groove it turns out good players just give them time they'll they'll figure it out at some point in the season and we were waiting on guys like forsberg uh to break through but uh what new records uh has forsberg broken uh of late mr baston and also how is he finding his groove yeah, so he has not technically didn't break the record, but he joined the 500 point club uh, mm-hmm. last week. So uh, he had two points in, or three points in that game actually that he pushed him over to 501 at the time. Um, so only David Legwan and Roman Yossi have more. So he's done it quickest too, which is pretty incredible. But he, you see his name everywhere in Nashville's uh, record books. You see his, you see Yossi's, you're starting to see Saros, you know, t- overtake some of the Pecorine uh, records. So mm-hmm. it's very impressive. Um, you know, he's finally getting back to what we're used to seeing and kind of what we saw last, you know, last year, because it was a lot to ask of him to try to repeat, I think, 16% shooting last year mm. or eight. No, I'm sorry, 18 and a half percent, which is an outlier uh but he is actually shooting at 12.9 percent which is exactly his his career average so we know in these last five or six games he's he's really picked it up and if you look at you know what he's done in those games he's 
I mean, it, he's had a really incredible, you know, kind of run. He's woken up. They talk about February coming up soon. Uh, but yeah, so in the last five games, he's got uh, nine points, including six goals in that. So that's that's pretty impressive. In the five games before that, he had one goal and, and no and one point. So hmm. he's he's coming in there and he's doing something. You know, we haven't seen him do all season. And he's stringing it together. He's consistent. I mean, even the game against Montreal, which was a pretty easy game for Nashville. You know, he only got he only had a single assist, but he was all over the ice on that, and he had did a tremendous job defensively. Which that part of his game is struggling still a little bit, but that's okay. You don't pay Phil Forsberg to play to play a lot of defense. So. Hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's been pretty incredible to see him get back up there. He's elevating. I mean, these last the last game, uh, he played on a line with Yusuf Parson and Colton Sissons on the first line. So it works. It's worked for two games in a row. So, well, you know, who are we to, to judge, I suppose? Um, I didn't think that. I like Parson up there. I mean, they're really giving me all the ammunition and making me feel better about, you know, yelling about him all preseason. Uh He's got room to grow, but he's been he's been pretty pretty good, and so it's been nice to watch and see you know these line combinations that everybody is real mad about. They've come around and they've actually done pretty well. Absolutely, and because there's like a curse for whatever reason on this program, we have uh, we talk up uh, Matthias Ekholm right last week mm-hmm. and uh, what he means to this team, and then it's like, well, could he be available for trade? And it's like, okay, well, is that uh, is that the way? the pred should go and do you think he's ultimately going to be available yeah so according uh daily faceoff i think had did a report and they had said that yeah like it had been reported last week earlier this week that matthias ekholm was on the trading block now i don't mm. know if that means that they're actively shopping him or they're saying hey this is a guy that's available i mean i think this is actually one of those that if they're planning on selling which they should they should be sellers at the deadline um do you, are they, we sure? We're a hundred percent certain that they should be sellers. Uh, yes. I, do I you would, think that's was, what they'll do though? Um, it depends. And I think this is where this is going to make a big difference because, mm. um, you know, they, they, this is a guy that, you know, a lot of times that they had, uh, in previous years of the trade deadline, they had guys that were kind of in between your, you know, your, um, Oh gosh, what's his name? A uh, Ryan Hartman, players mm. like that. You know, where you didn't think you're going to get that much of a return. Even back like last year, when they talked about Ellie Tolvin, and mm. uh, you, you know, they just weren't getting that much interest. But for Matthias Ekholm is a completely different animal. So he's having a tremendous year, as we've mm. you know we've talked about. Um, his his cap hit is not bad, six point two five million, which you know compared that's less than Ryan McDonough, that's less than Roman Yossi, obviously. Um, I think the only thing that might scare some teams away is the term. He's got three more seasons after this one. But, mm. I mean, this guy's 32. He's steadily improved uh, over the last five, six years. And he's evolved his game, too, which is really impressive. And so I don't see if, – if Nashville really has Matias Ekholm, you know, an alternate captain out there on the trading block, like they – I'm hoping that they walk away with, you know, a first-round pick or, you know, picking a, play, a couple of players. I mean, they should be able to do pretty well if that's who they move because – you know, he doesn't have the longevity worries or health worries that you might have with Roman Yossi with his history of concussions. You know, he's he's yeah, he's old, but defensemen last forever. So, you know, he's gotten better at moving the puck. I'm not sure, you know, what there is, you know, 
I think they should hold out and, and wait until they get something really good or a bidding war started for mm-hmm. Matias Ekholm. And then, of course, there's Dante Fabro, who he's a restricted free agent after this year. He's, you know, in the last year of $2.4 million, which I don't know. I can't say that I don't think he's played up to that, but he's also young and he's getting, you know, he's he's getting better. In the top four, he's the youngest by nine years. So, hmm. you know, that's, he's getting there. But I mean, you look at that, you look at Carrier. Carrier is another guy who's making 730000 but he's 26, uh, but he's also a restricted free agent. I get the feeling that they are pretty comfortable if it comes to this offseason and both players are still there that they may not, you know, issue that tender to to Dante Fabro just because Carrier has been so uh, fantastic. So, it, well, it's what does your gut say? Do you think both are moved, or do you think one is, or do you think ultimately they don't uh, they don't do anything? I think, in terms of what I would expect to be most likely, I mm. think it would be. Uh, Dante Fabro for just you know maybe maybe a depth player maybe another guy like a prospect um, yeah well I think they'd be able to get more than him because he's how young he is but uh the you know if they pull if they pull the trigger on the on the Eckholm trade I think one of two things happens that causes that to happen one ownership Poyle everybody they're ready to fully admit that that's you know it's time to rebuild it's time to mm-hmm. rescrap because Ekholm's a guy that just gave him a contract not too long ago um wanted to make him a centerpiece he reminds you of what happened to Ryan Ellis um and so that would be kind of like yeah you send Matias Ekholm out that's kind of an, an admission the other thing is is that um they trade Matias Ekholm and they just get some unbelievable deal you know they get mm-hmm. they get a lottery pick or something in the first round draft which I can't imagine anybody's going to forfeit you know, a lottery pick this year with, with Connor Bedard and what he did in the world juniors. So it's going to be interesting. If it, ha- if, if Ekholm moves, I think that means that this, this franchise is, is headed in a different direction than what they are right now. Yeah. But it's also just like, we don't, you, Charlie and I have talked uh, for the majority of the season about like the weird part of where Nashville is, is like, yeah, there's, they're right there in the middle. They're right there at 500. It seems like they're going to be right there on the bubble. Mm-hmm. If they don't make any moves for the majority of this season, uh, yeah. maybe make the playoffs, maybe just miss it. But also, new ownerships coming in. Mm-hmm. We don't know what their thinking is and what they would prefer to do. But most ownership groups, it seems like baseball's a little bit different. Like it's just it's hard to get a read on what an ownership group's going to want. But baseball mm-hmm. generally like strip it down to the bare bones before we buy, right. and then we start from scratch. It doesn't seem like that's the plan and what Haslam would want to do uh, when he takes over. And then yeah. you wonder, like, with Poyle, we've talked about where I don't think he's going to be looking to just set this team up for the future mm-hmm. on his way out. Like, I don't think that's just how a lot of GMs are wired when they're getting right. ready to leave. They don't want to... It sounds great in theory, like, let me just go ahead and put this team in a good position. I had a great run. Let me move a lot of our good pieces and just let it make the job really, um, really uh, it put the team, the next guy who follows me in a good position to build the kind of team that he wants to build. I just, I don't think that's likely. So it's just Ekholm yeah. or whoever. I'm like, I just don't see them moving because I think it's just such a weird front office ownership transition over the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it'll definitely be interesting just for the fact that you know, yeah, they, they'd have to make that move. But, I mean, it's still the same ownership group. Haslam will, will take the majority, but I still think that it's a lot of that. But with Poyle, I mean, even in a situation where he says, I want to set the next guy up, like, 
it usually isn't going to happen like that, at least not immediately. And you look at San Jose and they, they canned everybody and they got Will Greer in his GM and he, you know, he was looking to do a good job, but then things have kind of fallen apart. And a lot of times when you, if you're committing to a rebuild like this, you know, you're going to pull in a GM and it's going to be a rough year or two, especially if they go, you know, full scorched earth and get rid of some players, get a new coach. I mean, do you think, I don't think that uh, Barry Trotz is going to want to, if that's who Nashville wants, if, if he sees that they're in the middle of a full rebuild, I don't think that's what he's coming out of retirement for. I mean, he could go any number of places uh, in the NHL that'll open up, I'm sure. So it's it's a very interesting call. I think maybe they've been waiting for a coach, perhaps, I mm. mean, to, to do something. But I don't know. I think the leash still uh, for, for John Hines is still long enough to let him keep going. But it's all a matter of, you know, do they want to focus on the season or do they want to focus on the future? And if history tells us anything, they're going to focus on this season. That would be my guess, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, a lot of wins. You see a lot of good players, and you'll you'll see if this uh, this continues and maybe some other guys pop. And, um, you know, guys like Tolvanen, who have just been in this, uh, mm-hmm. been on this roster forever, and somebody that uh, the Preds fans are like, hey, we remember him? Remember Tolvanen? He could, uh, oh, wait, is, is Tolvanen gone? Is he in Seattle? Well, now it's been a couple weeks, uh, Brian. How, mm-hmm. uh, how has Tolvanen fared, and uh, what is your most recent read on Tolman and with the Kraken. Yeah. So it took him a little bit of time to, uh, to get into their lineup. So his last game with Nashville was on the 19th against Tampa. Mm. And uh, he, you know, he didn't suit up for Seattle until new year's day. So he's only been playing. He's th- it's just his third game. But if you look at the stats, um, his, uh, let me pull this back up. So his time in Nashville, I believe was, uh, 13 games he had two goals two assists for four points um and in three games with seattle he has two goals one assist three points so he is just one assist behind what he did in 13 games in nashville um he's done that already in seattle uh he's two powerpoint go- or power play goals which if you look at him, it's 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 vintage. What you would expect for Ellie Tolvin, and they got him in the circle. He's just blasting them, and that's what he's done. And so, I mean, it's it's hard to look at this with a small sample size, especially since you know he was playing only 13 games this year. Uh, but Seattle's a different kind of offensive team, and I bet you that they're going to open things up for him. So let's hope he keeps it up. Um, you know, he's a plus three, which plus minus is kind of a garbage stat, but he's been you know responsible. Uh, defensively there like he has this year like he did in Nashville so it's gonna be very interesting to see I'm I'm it's encouraging and I wish him like I hope he balls out I mean not just despite you know the decision but just because he deserves it after all this time so yeah it, it wasn't a fun one but luckily this that got overshadowed pretty quickly by Saros's night yeah and we'll see we wish him well like you, mm-hmm. it wasn't, it, uh, it, we see this all the time in sports where it's just, it's not going to work out in one situation for whatever reason, but a fresh start, um, and an organization that you're very high on in the Kraken and their front right. office. And we'll see what ultimately happens with them there. Um, Preds five, two and three and their last 10, uh, they got some victories over Edmonton, um, uh, Chicago, Anaheim, Montreal, and Carolina most recently. Um, I don't know, like if they, if they play at that do you see that kind of pace keeping up because it's not terrible or do you think the schedule tells you that we're gonna uh, backslide a little bit over the next month 
Yeah, so I mean they've they've struggled a bit. So I mean you look at Chicago, you look at Anaheim, and you look at Montreal. Those are basement dwellers, and and mm. Nashville's kind of got a little bit. Of, that's you know their record against teams that are that are below them in the standing is much better, obviously, than the ones above them. Uh, you know, obviously they've kind of turned things around a little bit with with the win over uh, Edmonton back on on the nineteenth, and then. Uh, they took Colorado to overtime. They took Vegas to overtime. Two very good teams, and then Carolina is also a good team. Um, Beat Carolina now. There's a we want Boston chant. Like we're just all ready for Boston. Like everyone in Nashville is saying, like we want the 34 and four Boston Bruins. I don't care. Mm-hmm. They're seven zero and three. We're ready. It's Boston Nashville. That's what you're thinking, Brian. Oh gosh, that'd be a terrifying matchup. Uh, we don't even play. They don't even play Boston until March 28th. Which- really. Yeah, which is it already... in Nashville or Boston? Oh no, there's uh, it's at Nashville's February sixteenth. Hmm. So, okay, but yeah, I'm glad there's only two games against them. They're just incredible. But I mean, the Hurricanes are top of the Metropolitan right now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but we'll see <laughs> how that shakes out. But mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were the the thing about it. If, if not to you know put less of an emphasis on what they've done, mm. but they've. If nothing else, they've taken care of the teams they were supposed to take care of. Mm. You know, they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. Um, they're, you know, game over game, they've gotten much, much better. I mean, if you look, they're, uh, they've got power play goals now, which is just, mm. you know, I'm trying to look and see exactly uh, how many now they've got. So they've had power play goals in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So that's out of one, two. So he's got six out of their last eight games. They've got a power play goal. So Baby uh, steps I'm, when they're second worst in scoring uh, in the West. Uh, baby steps. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's so it's six six goals. It took them until what? When? It took them until mid-November to get six power play goals <laughs> from the start of the season. So, which was a little over a month. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, we know that they can do it now. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's the important part is that they they're they're figuring it out they're they're starting to put things together and it's it's working and so uh, it's we'll see if the offense can keep up now and Soros doesn't get ground into dust which I'm I'm starting to worry about again maybe they can be a little bit better and punch above their weight class but we'll have to see where's our Ryan Miller when we need him I don't know I just don't know that's a good question though. If we're going to be the Anaheim Ducks of the prime John Gibson era, we need the Ryan Miller backup option for Saros to, to conserve his uh, energy. Um, Oof, yeah. compared to, I don't think this is maybe because, you know. Who's the modern Ryan Miller right now in hockey? Oh, God, I don't know. Um, <laughs> like Corey Perry or something? I don't know. Okay. But uh, no, but I will say this. I can tell you're you're still a little bit new because wanting to model the Predators about, you know, about the Ducks. I'm not saying I want to. I'm saying that's what it feels like with John Gibson being the guy who just you're fighting for your life. The Anaheim offense has just been terrible for so long that we've Mm -hmm. just become conditioned to it. They're worse than the West again this year, aren't they? Oh, Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they've scored 90 goals this year. Oh, the the Blackhawks are the only one worse. 80 goals for the Blackhawks to this point. <laughs> you hate oh to my, see it. Oh, my God. You absolutely um, hate to see it. But, yeah, like, I don't know. It just seems like that's been the perpetual thing. It's like pulling teeth every year with the Ducks and mm-hmm. offense. They're just not allowed to have a good offense, and they just have great goaltending, and 
the Preds are not that bad, but it does feel like it's just the season has been defined by Soros. And like, what would this team look like? What's the record if they have just a bottom five goalie right now? So I would say, hmm, that's a very good question. I I would say that they are not, they're not above 500. That's for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, it's, it's not been very many games where they have just purely outscored guys, other Mm -hmm. teams. Um, shoot. It's not, it's, I mean, it's not pretty. I think they're one of the worst teams in hockey. Yeah. You take away about six or seven wins or overtime losses. there, just, you know, probably about 10, 12 points. And yeah, I would say that seems about right. Something you you definitely don't want. (laughs) No. Um, last thing. Road trip tonight. They uh, go to Washington back to back. What are we looking at uh, over the course of t- the tonight and over the next week before our next show? Yeah, so this is one of those prove it road trips again. So again, they've got this back to back. So they've just played Carolina. Then now they're over in in DC to play Washington, who now sitting at fourth, uh, just six points behind Carolina in the Metro. Mm. Um, this is you know Ovechkin, TJ Oshie. I think is actually supposed to be back i believe you know he was injured in the last game against nashville uh here and here in town uh so he's back and they're really good to see that so i mean that's going to be another tough test against laviolette um you know ovechkin still doing his chase and it seems like he's getting goals whenever he wants now which you know we'll see how that works out nashville does a pretty decent job against him but we'll see how it goes um but then they get a couple days off they get the weekend off which is nice then they go to ottawa on monday which should be one they can handle and then on Wednesday and Thursday, another set of back-to-backs. So our second back-to-back in a week at Toronto and then at Montreal. And that road trip is, is you know, a little brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they get to come back home for a uh, three, three games in four days against Buffalo, which terrifying, mm-hmm. Calgary, and Columbus, which Columbus isn't good, but Columbus put a beating down on Nashville earlier this season. So... It's not getting any easier throughout this month. Uh, by the time they make it to the end of January and an all-star break, uh, they're going to need to, to really take the time and look and see where they're at and evaluate because these next you know 10 games or so could, could tell you exactly what's going to happen at the trade deadline, or at least what should happen. Yeah. All right, there you go. Uh, Brian Baston, what can the good folks check out from you over at On the Forecheck and Renegade of Puck this week? Oh, yeah. So if you haven't seen it, uh, I had this piece out there which came to me very late and I forgot that I've been tracking it all year, but I've got a piece over it on the forecheck talking about the amount of free food the Preds has given away uh, I in, saw this, in yes. 2022. Uh, it, I, it's pretty impressive. I was pretty overwhelmed just by the amount of the sheer amount of how much, you know, how much they give away and what the what the value is. So let me pull this one back up for you. So mm-hmm. I can give you a little bit. Um, but it was I just thought it was funny. I think people enjoyed it, but it's not like anybody learned anything from it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so if you look at it, let's see here. So all told, if one fan, if you were to redeem every reward that they had earned throughout the calendar year 2022, you would, they would have saved $692 in free stuff and gotten mm. 82,000 free calories. So there you yeah. go. Um, and then the last thing I want to point out, which I didn't write this anywhere, but I think this is mm. maybe my favorite thing I've ever I've ever read, you know, about hockey history, mm. is um, this guy that is currently sitting at, at 70 goals who leads most goals in a game. Mm. Uh, let me pull his name back up because I want to make sure I say this correctly because I have to be very careful. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah, so with 70, his name is Ron Tugnut. So that's just want to leave you with that for the day. Just remember Ron <laughs> Tugnut if you get the chance. Absolutely. There you go. 
Brian Baston, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much, and uh, I will talk to you next week. See you next week. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.